Hello and welcome tonight. Welcome 2022 with hope and envision a year of continued progress. The president urges Nigerians in his New Year message. 2022 budgets may be unimplementable. The president raises questions over changes made to the estimates by the National Assembly as he signs the appropriation bill into law. And despite criticisms and concerns over the safety of returning IDPs, Borno State Government defends decision to close their camps in Meduguri as deadline elapses today. And tens of thousands of people evacuated as wildfires devastate parts of U.S. state of Colorado, destroying homes and businesses. Plus, international news from our London studio. On business news tonight, Lagos State Governor signed 2022 appropriation bill of 1.7 trillion Naira into law, highlights need to capture all financing options for the Blue and Red Line Rail projects. On sports news tonight, Nigerian Football Federation replaces Victor Simen, Leon Balogun and Emmanuel Dennis in the final 28-man list for the Africa Cup of Nations. And from Abuja, police arrest two teenage suspects over the kidnap of an eight-year-old girl in Urumi, Eastern Northeast local government area of Edo State. It's less than two hours to year 2022, and as Nigerians look forward to its dawn, the president is urging citizens to do so with hope and envision a year of continued progress against the backdrop of the challenges of the outgoing year. This is part of President Muhammad Buhari's New Year message to Nigerians, urging all to remain resolute and determined to overcome the obstacles on the path of building the nation of our dream. Many of the challenges, he says, are a consequence of the COVID-19 pandemic, which have threatened efforts to reposition the nation. Despite these, the president declares, but I assure you that we will remain resolute in our commitments and shall continue to press ahead with our programs and plans. He also restates the resolve of the present administration to continue tackling insecurity by equipping the military adequately to address the current challenges being faced in the country. But beyond this, the president adds, we would be deploying multifaceted solutions that will be targeted at addressing human security at the grassroots before it leads to insecurity. He also pays tribute to the military, police officers and other security agents who have lost their lives in the cause of protecting the territorial integrity of the country and commiserates with those who have lost loved ones. On the economy, the president says the growth recorded in recent times will be sustained and is also optimistic that the Petroleum Industry Act will help drive the new direction on the economy. In his words, our objective to increase liquefied natural gas exports and expand our domestic market is still very much at the forefront of some of the policies we would be pushing in the new year. He says the federal government's anti-corruption crusade is succeeding, especially through the innovative use of technology and forensics, while urging Nigerians to be united in our fight to keep the country united against all. 
And in a bid to avoid disrupting the January to December budget cycle, the president today signed the 17.1 trillion Naira 2022 appropriation bill into law. But that was not without some reservations, as President Mohamed Buhari expressed displeasure over major changes made by the National Assembly in the bill, which he says may render the budget unimplementable. The president equally signed the 2021 finance bill into law. Our State House correspondent, Gloria Umezuke, reports. A week after the National Assembly transmitted the 2022 appropriation bill to the executive for assent, the president formally receives a document presented to him by his senior special advisor on National Assembly matters at the council chamber in the State House. Flanked by the President of the Senate, Senator Ahmed Lawan, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Mr. Femi Bajabiamila, and the Minister of Finance, Mrs. Zainab Ahmed, the President signs the 17.126 trillion Naira 2022 national budget. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the breakdown of the budget includes 868 billion naira for statutory allocation, 3.8 trillion naira for debt servicing, 6.9 trillion naira for recurrent expenditure, as well as 5.4 trillion for capital expenditure. An inclusion of 36.59 billion naira worth of new provisions was inserted into the 2022 budget by the National Assembly. This observation is among other major changes the president is displeased with. The fiscal year 2022 is very crucial in our efforts to complete and put to use critical agenda projects as well as improve the general living conditions of our people. It is in this regard that I must express my reservations about many of the changes that the National Assembly has made to the 2022 executive budget proposal. Some of the worrisome changes are as follows. A, increase in projected federal government independent revenue by 400 billion naira, the justification for which is yet to be provided to the executive. There are other reservations by the president, including the introduction of 1,500 new projects into the Ministry of Agriculture and its agencies. The signing is also indicative of the president's resilience to maintain the traditional January to December budget cycle, but he has other reservations. Provisions made for as many as 10,733 projects were reduced, while 6,500 and 76 new projects were introduced into the budget by the National Assembly. Announcing preparations towards the 2023 transition budget, President Buhari also signs the 2021 finance bill, which he believes is critical to the execution of the 2022 budget. Work will start in earnest to ensure early admission of the 2023 the 2025 medium-term expenditure framework and fiscal strategy paper, as well as the 2023 appropriation bill to the National Assembly.
After the brief ceremony, the president of the Senate, Amit Lawan, gives his reactions. As for the observations Mr. President has raised, this is a natural uh, uh, and logical tendency between the executive and the legislature. Sometimes our views on certain issues may not be necessarily the same kind of views that the executive would have and hold uh, on any particular matter. So I don't think what the president did by raising some observations as something that we should worry about. This is a, based on judgments when we ask for more resources coming from the independent sources, especially from the uh, government-owned enterprises of about 400 to 500 billion, is because we believe that the, this uh, government-owned enterprises should contribute even much more. In fact, I hold the opinion that they should have contributed about a trillion at least. From all indications, it appears there's some disconnect, even though the legislature insists it has done nothing wrong. The insertions undoubtedly has broad implications. The president is hoping to address some of these discrepancies through further negotiations and a supplementary budget when the National Assembly resumes in 2022. From the presidential villa, Gloria Umezeki, Channels Television News. And joining us live from Victoria Island here in Lagos to discuss the issues arising from the 2022 budget is the lead director, Center for Social Justice, Mr. Eze Onyekwiri. Welcome to the news at 10, Mr. Onyekwiri. Thank you. As we start off, what are your thoughts on President Buhari's reservations about changes made in the 2022 budget? Well, I think it is just the normal course of events because... Uh, over the last one or two years, uh, the government has been trying to establish a, a proper budget calendar that starts on the 1st of January and ends on the 31st of December. So it's like, let me sign the bill. If there are any misgivings, I can always get back to the National Assembly and we'll resolve whatever the misgivings are. So that's my initial reaction to uh, the signing of the budget assent given by the president, although he did it with a lot of reservations. Speaking of which, he has said that in view of those changes, the budget may be unimplementable. How do you think this will impact on government's policies and programs in the coming year? Well, I think there are fundamental issues that need to be resolved because I don't simply believe it's a question of unimplementability of the budget. The fundamental issues about three or four, one, the first one, is that over the years, in view of Section 80 and 81 of the Constitution of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, 1999 as amended, we have failed to determine the extent of legislative and executive powers in matters of appropriation. Who proposes, who approves, should the legislature add more, should they subtract, what of the new revenue to fund uh, additions to the budget, that is yet to be resolved. The expectation is that the Supreme Court should have clarified this if the two arms of government have been, you know, done enough to take this matter up to the Supreme Court, or alternatively, a framework law done by the National Assembly and assented to by the prison will have properly articulated the dry bones of the constitution into a definitive framework of saying, you propose, if we want to amend, this is what the procedure we need to do, we need to consult you, we need to get back, and then we have an agreement and we come back. By now, it is more or less empty. There is no guidance. It's just up to the executive and legislature to fight their battles. Secondly, the whole issue of legislative lists. The constitution provides an exclusive legislative list which is the area 
where the National Assembly should legislate. There is also the concurrent list where they have some powers and state House of Assembly have some powers and of course the residual matters. But we have a situation today where the National Assembly is legislating on matters that are just for the state government and local governments. And that raises the question the budget, the appropriation act or bill, not a law like other laws, that should be subject to the legislative competence of the National Assembly in terms of the legislative list set out in the 1999 constitution. And for me and some other fiscal governance experts, we have been of the opinion that for the National Assembly to begin to budget on things that are in the set down for states and local governments that it will be ultra-virus their powers to do that. But that has not been established by the courts conclusively. But we hold that since it is a law, it should also, what happens to other laws should also be applicable. Now the third one is the issue of the excessive deficit. Between the executive and the legislature, none of them has been able to come forward with anything to say how do we bring down the deficit. Now the fourth one is a question of using loose words, which we have always identified in our analysis of the budget each time the president sends it to the National Assembly before it's approved by the legislature. We find out what we call frivolous, inappropriate, wasteful expenditure. When you begin to use such loose words as empowerment, capacity building, they have no defined, you know, you, you, you cannot say this is exactly what they mean, except within the context where you provide them. And the president complained a lot about, you know, rejuggling Rejuggling budget figures using the word empowerment to change to change yes, them. As, so as, as that's, that's, that's a question and an issue. Yes, uh, thank you very much. As much as we'd like to continue Go the ahead. discussion, we would um, have to leave it here. Thank you very much, Mr. Ezeonyekwere, Lead Director, Center for Social Justice, for your thoughts on uh, the concerns raised by the President um, to the 2022 budget. Thank you very much for being on the News at 10. My pleasure. In part two, after the break, as the deadline elapses today for IDPs in Meduguri to return to their ancestral homes, the Burma State Government defends its decision to close their camps. Stay with us. If you've just joined us, you're watching the news at 10, live on Channels Television Lagos. Here's a reminder of our top stories. The president urges Nigerians to welcome 2022 with hope and envision a new year of continued progress. 2022 budget may be unimplementable. The president raises questions over changes made to the estimates by the National Assembly as he signs the appropriation bill into law. Despite concerns over the safety of returning IDPs, Borno State Government defends its decision to close their camps in Meduguri as deadline elapses today. And tens of thousands of people evacuated as wildfires devastate parts of U.S. state of Colorado, destroying homes and businesses.
Today is the last day that internally displaced persons in government-approved camps are spending in the facilities. This comes as the Borno State Government says it is going ahead with its plan to close the camps today, despite concerns over the safety of the IDPs. According to the government, the decision to close the camps is coming on the heels of improved security in the state that is the epicenter of the Boko Haram insurgency. It's a season of relocation and closure of eternally displaced persons camps in Maiduguri, the Borno state capital. The reality of a new life stares the internally displaced persons in the face as the period of grace for their stay in their camps end. Despite criticism and concerns over the safety of the returning IDPs, the Borno state government has set a deadline of December 31, 2021, a decision the government says it reached with its development partners. We have two levels of engagement, the high-level technical task force on return headed by the deputy governor himself. We have the technical level headed by commissioner of RRR, where CMR, Sustainable Development, UN OCHA, UNSC will all serve as the secretariat. For seven years, the IDPs have been grappling with food shortages, among other issues, just as the federal government, through its agencies, is supporting the move by providing double rations of food items to the affected population, and this is to sustain them until they get back on their feet. The Northeast Development Commission is preparing the youths for the new life ahead through Novelty Match, an exercise the Commission believes will continue in their local communities. We'll try to relate IDPs with distribution of food and output items. But now that our peace is returning, we need to psychologically make the people in the IDP camp safe and energized to start living normal life. Here, all other humanitarian aids are tailored towards strengthening the government's plan towards resettlement of the IDPs. We know that these people are vulnerable people. So the reason why the support will continue for a certain period is because if we leave them to go back, most of them will not be able to stand or fend for themselves. So as far as the federal government is concerned, the support will continue, just as my boss has said, on a need basis. The IDPs themselves are not opposed to returning to their ancestral homes, provided their safety is addressed. There is no compulsion in returning home, but we are hoping that everywhere should become normal without any problem. If there is peace, we will go back. Out of the 13 IDP camps, originally established by the Bono state government, at the peak of Boko Haram assault on communities, only seven are still in existence. And with the December 31st deadline, Nothing has been said about shutting temporary shelters and putting an end to the dependency caused by the insurgency in Borno State. Let's now bring you more on the news at 10 from our Abuja studio and my colleague Maupe Ogun-Yusuf is set to take it up from here. Hello, Maupe. Hello, Bukola. It's good to see you and Happy New Year. 
Let's go over to Edo State, where Nemesis has caught up with two teenage suspects who are now in police net over the kidnap of an eight-year-old girl in Urumi, Isan Northeast local government area. Also arrested is a young man said to have been involved in the kidnap of four persons in Benin City in the Edo State capital on Wednesday. The suspect had been in custody at the Correctional Center for a crime he committed in 2018 before he escaped during the hijack of the NSAS protest last year. On the 28th of uh, December 2021, about, at about 13.00 hours, a good Samaritan from Eroe community in Ishan, in Ishan West Nation North is local government of a do state, precisely a community in Uromi area, uh, brought a girl of eight years to the station, to the police divisional headquarters, that he found her tied in an uncompleted building in a bush. So he rescued her and brought her to the station. Upon interrogation, the little girl was able to speak out that two young boys abducted her from the community from our community Iroi community um, brought her to the bush tied her hand down tied her leg and her mouth until this uh, good samaritan saw her and rescued her in a related development on the 29th of december 2021 at about 14 13 hours the divisional police officer of uh, Ubowo Division received an information that hoodlums suspected to be kidnappers have kidnapped uh, two persons. They kidnapped them and also proceeded to Ukoem Road in Benin City, where they also kidnapped a duo of Irene, Edena Buhen, a female, and Rosemary Ojegu, a female. Also, in, on the same date, or receipt of the information, the divisional police officer immediately uh, mobilized operatives of the police from the division and chase after the hoodlums. Now, while those cases might have been cracked in Edo State, the year appears to be ending sadly for the Federal College of Education Technical Gusso in Zamfara State, as the wife of one of the lecturers in the institution, Dr. Abdurazak Mwazu, and two of the daughters have been abducted. They were said to have been kidnapped at their residence in Mariri, a community in the outskirts of Gusso in the early hours of today. Dr. Mwazu is a lecturer with the Department of Agriculture at the college. The spokesperson of of the Zamfara State Police Command, Mohamed Shehu, confirmed the incident, explaining that the command has since dispatched search and rescue operatives to go after the abductors and rescue the victims. And staying in the Northwest, River State Governor Yesam Wike has taken his message of peace to Sokoto State, where he expressed hope in the unity of the country, but says leaders must be encouraged to speak truth to power at all times. The governor led a delegation of River's elders and politicians on a visit to the Sultan of Sokoto, Saad Abubakar III, to condole with him on the recent killings in the state. In his response, the Sultan urged all Nigerians to demonstrate love towards one another. Most importantly, Your Eminence, the third one, is to sincerely thank you for the role you have been playing, for the role you continue to play in the stability of this country.
and trying to stabilize all the religious groups, all the ethnic groups to understand we have no other country other than one country called Nigeria. We have always spoken out, irrespective of whether it touches on Muslims, whether it touches on Christians, or whether it touches on those who don't have any religion. We have always spoken out. I have admonished government where necessary. If all leaders can exhibit this kind of threat, this kind of character, they will have future. They will know that it's our country. Truly, we are going somewhere else. His Excellency, we thank you for your passion, for your position, for your steadfastness in continuing to build on the relationship that we built over years. And I think that's the beauty of this great country. Because wherever we visited, we find that we have friends there who really honestly love us and respect us. Not because of whatever we can give them. We don't give them anything, but we can give love. And that is the best you can give any human being. If you give love, others will just come after things will fall in place. Because if there is love, all the acrimonies here, all the confusion here, all over the place, all the killings wouldn't have taken place. Still ahead on the news at 10, Lagos State Governor signs appropriation bill of 1.7 trillion naira into law, highlights need to capture financing options for the Blue and Red Line Rail projects. That's on business news. Do join us again. Welcome back. Indeed, the year 2021 has been full of ups and downs, and Nigerians are hopeful that the new year will bring new hope. Let's listen to some of these expectations in our next report. It's been a year of ups and downs, not just in Nigeria, but across the world. One made more turbulent as different variants of the COVID pandemic emerged, putting the health sector of many economies under pressure. Here in Nigeria, residents are hopeful that these troubles will begin to ease up. We expect 2022 to be much better than 2021. Though 2021 was not as um, challenging as 2020 because of the COVID-19 restrictions. So for New Year resolutions, we would want um, restrictions to be less that's in order, that's in, in health-wise, that the health sector should um, address the issue of the Delta variants, Omicron variants. So health-wise, we want restrictions to be less. Many were affected by the heat on the economy, a situation they believe had more negative effect on the masses. Government must also look at the economic situation of the country, must overhaul the economic situation of the country, to make life more comfortable for the people, look into the welfare of uh, workers, and so also infrastructural development. The government must look into this as well. Standard of living, then security. When you have security, everything is settled. 
There are expectations that good things will come with 2022. I am expecting that the new year will come with good things. And I also expect that the government should call down on some certain things. Put like especially price control, they should put in price control. Make sure things go and uh, the prices are less for people for the poor masses to be able to afford goods and services. Good governance, ensure adequate security, ensure enable environment for our economic to thrive, ensure security for schools, and again, you know, for uh, in educational sector, governments must, must begin to give adequate attention to ASU's demands. If I'm not mistaken. 2022 will be the last full year that this government will have what's in power. So I would want them to make the most of the last 12 months that they'll have in power because by 2023, May 2023, I believe this government will be out of power by then. These expectations notwithstanding, the general atmosphere is one of hope that 2022 will be a better year. Six thousand five hundred Lagos-bound air passengers defaulted COVID testing and isolation rules, while 81 international passengers have been sanctioned for non-compliance with testing protocols. The Lagos State Government disclosed this in a statement providing an update on its COVID-19 response. In the statement signed by the Commissioner for Health, Professor Akia Bayomi, government explains that the Omicron variant started spreading around the beginning of December, coinciding with the influx of inbound travelers into Lagos. The state government says it recognized a pattern in November and December this year where majority of inbound travelers were not turning up for their day two and day seven COVID PCR tests, an event that is the most likely source of the entry of the Omicron variant and catalyst for the fourth wave. The government says its decision to punish defaulters of the mandatory COVID testing for arriving travelers Peddlers of fake certificates resulted in travelers suddenly complying with the requisite day two and day seven testing, isolation protocols, and a near doubling of testing volumes per day. International Breweries PLC, Brewers of Hero Beer, is celebrating its customers with the launch of the Board of Heroes tagged Ibu Odogu. The initiative is to make visible, celebrate, and appreciate consumers who have continued to patronize the Hero Beer. According to the marketing director of the company, Tululokwe Adedeji, the digital billboard mounted strategically at the brewery's facility in Onicha will continue to roll faces of customers as heroes. Hero Lager Beer is deeply rooted in the culture of the people of Eastern Nigeria. In recognition of the people's patronage, International Breweries PLC, makers of Hero Beer, has also continued to celebrate them through legacy initiatives. The latest is tagged Board of Heroes. 
executives of international bureaus show pictures of celebrities previously imputed into a digital screen known as the Board of Heroes. Can't say thank you enough. We know we are your number one chosen beer right here in the southeast part of Nigeria, especially. And we say a big thank you for that. And to show how grateful the brand is, we've decided to do something that no brand has ever done before. We've commissioned a digital billboard mounted right here on our bureaus so that every time our heroes descend on, we all know how much our consumers walk, you know, all day, all year. And sometimes we all feel invisible or we feel uncelebrated, we feel unrecognized. And we thought as a brand, we have to do something about that. There and then, photographs of new heroes are taken to be displayed in the coming days. Those who have played a key role in the success of Hero Beer are recognized through the Odogu hashtag. Hashtag Ibodogu is a, a line that tries to recognize the heroes in our people, in our people of the Southeast, in our people who enjoy the hero Lagabia. So we are, we are doing this um, to appreciate them and really make them understand that they are truly heroes. So Igbo Dogu is um, an Igbo way of expressing that they are heroes. So it's a way of recognizing them for um, being with the brand all these years till today. Spotlight on the digital billboard and recognition is totally free and the company says it will continue to brew the best quality beer. And coming up next on the news at 10 is business news with Anne Wawudo. Thanks a lot, Bukola. Hello and welcome to Business News. The Lagos State Governor, Babajide Sowolu, has signed into law a total of 1.75 trillion naira for the 2022 appropriation bill. Governor Sowolu says the budget, which is tagged Budget of Consolidation, is to help fast track and deliver infrastructure projects in 2022. He also says the budget size will help create significant value for residents in the area of economic growth, better health care, quality education and social intervention for the people of Lagos State. We see a stronger 2022, you know, and you would also know that it will be the full one-year budget that our current administration, you know, will also be having a full circle of a, of a full year. And, and so we, we, we are excited with what 2022 can give for us and can do you know, for, for our citizens. And so we believe that it will further consolidate all of the things we've started in infrastructure, in education, in health, in um, rail, um, in um, job employment, in technology, in ensuring that we can enshrine continuously good governance in our social interventions, you know, in women affairs, poverty alleviation, SGD, WAPA, all of the critical areas that we'll continue to look at. We will believe, in, we'll believe that 2022, we will see greater and a lot more impactful impact that will touch the life of regular citizens, Lagosians, you know, and bring about the real dividends you know, of democracy to our citizens and life.
Meanwhile, the governor of Adamawa State, Umar Fintiri, has assented the sum of 163,621,910,040 naira as the state budget estimate for next year. This follows the passage of the appropriation bill by members of the State House of Assembly after its presentation by the governor in the first week of November 2021. Before the signing of the budget, Governor Omar Fentiri thanked members of the speedy passage and the good cordial relationship between the executive arm and the legislature in the state. This budget of sustainable growth amounting to 163 billion uh, to run the services of the state for the year 20. 22. And to also thank the Honorable House for this speedy passage, for the collaboration and synergy that have been existing between the executive and the legislature for the good people of Adamawa State. And to also thank my economic team who have not been resting and finding it easy, working day and night, to see that these documents are put together. And in a surprise move, the domestic stock market made a strong last-minute rally at the close of business today, as the year 2021 finally takes a bow. Hello and welcome to the Stock Market Report. The bull wins again. Well, the year 2021 has indeed been a momentous one for the Nigerian stock market. While the stock market saw several swings and steep losses, it however largely remained resilient amid uncertainty driven by the COVID-19 pandemic. Look at the All Share Index. It opened the year at 40,270.72 points, but here is the closing figure, 42,716.44, up by 2.16%. Year to date, the performance might not be as fantastic as it was last year, but it's still a positive close. And so we say, bravo to the bull. It's indeed a green day. Look at the sectoral performance. The consumer goods sector outperformed the rest with a 6.69% gain. There were also some major milestones in the market this year. The successful EIPO by MTN Nigeria, the listing of the NGX on the exchange, and despite the turbulence in the board of FBNH, there was an upward movement of the stock from a low of 7 Naira to above 12 Naira. That's 80% rise, making it the best performer for the year. And when we look at the top trades for the day, FBNH is number one. It was a short trading session today, and at the end, over 455 million shares were churned out, valued at almost 10 billion naira in 2,830 deals. With the expectation of audited results, traders say we are still likely going to see some rally in the first quarter of 2022, but how that will hold will depend on economic policies of the government. But we'll keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. I wish you a happy new year. And that was the Stock Market Report. I'm Chimeze Obi Iwago.
Thanks a lot for watching the last edition of Business News for 2021. I wish you a productive and profitable 2022. I'm Anne Mwawadu. Back to you, Bukola. Thank you, Anne. And coming up next, thousands evacuated as wildfires devastate parts of U.S. state of Colorado, destroying homes and businesses. Plus, more international news from our London studio. Stay with us. Welcome back. Hundreds of homes have been destroyed and tens of thousands of people evacuated in the U.S. state of Colorado after wildfires driven by high winds engulfed two towns near the state capital, Denver. For more on this and other international news, here's Simon Pusey with Around the World in Five. Good evening and welcome to the Channel Studios here in London with your international news around the world in five. Tens of thousands of people have been evacuated and hundreds of homes have been destroyed as wildfires spread through the U.S. state of Colorado. The fast-moving fires are burning in Boulder County, north of Denver, and officials say deaths are likely. Hundreds of homes and buildings have been destroyed and at least half a dozen people have been injured. Video taken from a police patrol vehicle shows plumes of smoke and violent winds kicking up debris. According to police, thick smoke is reducing visibility and hindering rescue efforts. Meanwhile, a passenger flying out of Denver captured footage of the glowing wildfires as his plane passed over the nearby town of Superior. It's thought some of the fires were sparked when power lines were toppled by strong winds. A state of emergency has been declared by the governor. Gusts of 100, 110 miles an hour can and have moved this fire down a football field in a matter of seconds. Very little time to get out, uh, very little time to even get the most important parts of your life. And yes, it'll be a difficult process. In his first New Year's address, Germany's new chancellor said he wants to use its presidency of the G7 nations to develop it into a club that is pioneering green growth and a socially just world. Olaf Scholz said Germany will push for a climate-neutral way of doing business and a fair world. In his previous roles as vice-chancellor and finance minister, Scholz suggested that the European Union should team up with countries like the United States, Canada and Japan to create a climate club in which members agree joint rules and common standards on how to reduce carbon emissions. Some residents under lockdown in the Chinese city of Xi'an say they do not have enough food, even as officials insist there are adequate supplies. More than 13 million were ordered to stay at home last week as authorities sought to battle a COVID outbreak. But compared to other lockdowns globally, locals cannot go out even for essential reasons like buying food. The government is delivering supplies, but many on social media say they are yet to receive them and are struggling. The lockdown in the northern city is in its ninth day. South Africa has lifted a midnight to 4am curfew on people's movement with immediate effect, believing the country has passed the peak of its fourth COVID-19 wave. That according to the experts, we, Omicron has, has reached the peak. Monsli Gungungbele said the country made the changes based on the trajectory of the pandemic, levels of vaccination in the country and available capacity in the health sector. Data from the Department of Health showed an almost 30% decrease in the number of new cases detected in the week ending December the 25th. 
Meanwhile, members of the public have queued for a second day to pay their respects to Archbishop Desmond Tutu ahead of his funeral tomorrow. A cathedral marching band played as people waited for his coffin to arrive. Tutu, who requested the cheapest coffin, said he did not want any lavish funeral expense. The ceremony will take place on New Year's Day. The Central Committee of Sudanese Doctors say four protesters have been shot dead by security forces, at least three of them in Khartoum's twin city, Omdurman. Security forces fired tear gas and stun grenades at protesters marching towards the presidential palace in Khartoum, as tens of thousands of people demonstrated nationwide against military rule. The protests are the 11th round of major demonstrations since a coup which saw Abdallah Hamdok removed and then reinstated as Prime Minister. The outgoing New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio has held his final news conference. Thank you, everybody. De Blasio can point to a list of progressive wins under his leadership, including universal pre-kindergarten, the end of the policing practice known as stop and frisk, and paid sick leave. But there have been scandals, too, with a federal criminal investigation finding the mayor or his associates accepted contributions from donors seeking official favours. And finally, countries around the world have been celebrating the start of a new year. People in New Zealand were amongst the first in the world to celebrate the arrival of 2022 with a light show in Auckland. The show featured 90,000 LED lights illuminating over Auckland's 328-metre-tall Sky Tower. Meanwhile, in Australia, the new year was welcomed with a fireworks display at Sydney's famous Harbour Bridge. And that's your international news around the world in five. Now back to the Channel Studios in Lagos. Thank you, Simon, and welcome to Sports News. Now, Napoli striker Victor Simen has been ruled out of the Africa Cup of Nations with Henry Onyekuru called up as his replacement. According to the Nigeria Football Federation, Osimen has been excluded from the tournament after testing positive for COVID-19 while still recovering from the facial injury he suffered in November. A Liverpool manager, Jurgen Klopp, believes his side's crucial match against Chelsea will go ahead on Sunday despite three new coronavirus cases in his camp as another Premier League fixture was called off. Klopp refused to name the players on Friday as they were awaiting test results, but forward Roberto Firmino and goalkeeper Alisson Becker were absent from pictures released by Liverpool of a club training session. And defending champions Atletico Madrid trained without coach Diego Simeone as the COVID-19 hit club prepare to face Rayo Vallecano. Simeone is one of five COVID-19 positives at the club. The others are captain Coca, midfielder, midfielder Hector Herrera and forwards Antoine Griezmann and Yao Felix. Atletico fifth in La Liga on 29 points after 18 games host Rayo Vallecano on Sunday. And that's it on Sports News. Happy New Year. I'm Victor Mathias. It's back to you, Bookie. Thank you, Victor. And the main news again. The president today urged Nigerians to remain resolute and determined to overcome the obstacles on the path of building the nation of our dreams as they welcome year 2022. He said this in his New Year message to the nation. And that's it on the news at 10. And from all of us here, it's good night and a happy and prosperous 2022 to you all.
And just before we go, we'll go live to Igomu for the crossover service at the Covenant Nation. Good night.